Does anybody else, as they get older, notice how time just flies by? When I, when I was their age, it was like, gosh, you know. I know. And now it's just like, man, it just, like, do you realize that we are, um, we are at the end of the all church study that we started six weeks ago? It's been six weeks already. Can you believe that? It's just, that's, I can't fathom how quickly time goes by. For those of you who are guests or visitors with us, just to let you know, this all-church study that we've been doing, um, the purpose of it was to help identify the primary threads that run all throughout the Bible that create the, the fabric, which is the Bible, or the story of the Bible, or the plan of the Bible. That's what we've been doing, and, it, and these threads have pulled, hopefully, pulled the story of the Bible, God's plan, together for us seamlessly, which is the name of the study. And um, what I wanted to do today, this being the last Sunday of this all-church study, what I wanted to do was kind of revisit with all of you these major threads or themes that we have identified in these last several um, weeks. And as we come, um, as we go throughout the weaving this morning, I'm going to bring you to a major thread that runs all throughout the Bible that we have not um, identified yet, but I believe that it's going to be a thread that, that um, kind of pulls everything together perfectly and even more seamlessly than it did before. You may remember that we started out several weeks ago in the Garden of Eden. You guys remember that? We were in the Garden of It was paradise. Paradise lost, right? And why did they lose paradise? Why did humanity lose paradise back in the Garden of Eden? Because Adam and Eve sinned. They chose to disobey God. They chose to, um, to eat from the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge. And with that, paradise was lost. Now, some of you are sitting back here going, you know, I thought about that the last six weeks. And I'm thinking, that doesn't seem like that big a deal. They just ate some fruit right? But listen, that, that in and of itself, that, that truth or that thing that you may have been grappling with is, is a, a fundamental part of the story, a part of God's plan. You see, what we know is that God is holy and just. And what we understand is that all sin, whether you perceive it as a little white lie or whatever, all sin is bad. All sin, um, you see, because God is holy, he cannot exist in the same space as sin. Which then, um, when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, it kind of was a seed that was passed on to all of us, right? And it created what appeared to be an insurmountable, uh, insurmountable chasm between our holy God and we sinful, broken human beings. But take heart. Or God has a plan, right? He had a plan. He has a plan that was there from the very beginning. It was with God in the very beginning. In fact, it, the plan was God. So take heart. Um, enter the patriarchs. Remember the patriarchs? Um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were sinners too, just like you and me, just like uh, Adam and Eve. But something that made them unique that we discovered was that they were people of faith. Remember that? 
And even though they were sinners, even though they were broken people, they had faith. And because they had faith, even though they were sinners, God said to them, I'm going to use you to fulfill the plan that was there from the very beginning, right? The plan that was with God and the plan that was God. And from these patriarchs, God created the nation of Israel, right? See, you paid attention. And it was to the nation of Israel through Moses that God gave something called the Ten Commandments. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Of course you have. I, grew, I didn't even grow up going to church and I heard of the Ten Commandments. I didn't maybe necessarily know what they were, but I, didn't, I knew that there was the Ten Commandments even, even back when I was a heathen. Some people would say, I still am. <laughs> and what is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments, uh, the purpose of the Ten Commandments is to uh, show us what we need to do to be saved, right? Well, this is to show us what we need to do in order to be acceptable in the sight of God, right? Yeah, kind of. Actually, the Ten Commandments were put out there to show us what was expected out of us. But more importantly, listen to this, because this is big. This is one of those threads that if you miss it, the fabric may unravel. Ultimately, the true purpose of the Ten Commandments wasn't to teach us what we must do to be made, in the right of, in, made right in the sight of God, but it was to demonstrate to us that we couldn't. That we, as human beings, didn't have the capacity in and of ourselves to be made right in the eyes of God. Um, if you go, the, Has anybody ever broken any of the Ten Commandments? You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to, because I know! Now, some of you say, but there's a few of them that I did really good at not doing. Doesn't matter, does it? Because even the simplest of sins separates us from a holy God, right? So the purpose of the Ten Commandments was to say, this is, the, this is what is, uh, is expected, but it's, it was to demonstrate to us that, that we can't do it. But the good news is, what? God has a plan. God was trying to let, he, the whole point of this thing is to remind you that you can't do it, but it's okay because God has a plan. And if you trust in God's plan rather than in yourself, you're going to be okay. Now, even though that was the purpose of the Ten Commandments, it didn't stop humanity from trying to figure it out themselves, did it? We all, human beings, have for centuries thought, well, if I just can be self-actualized, we can have utopia, paradise here on earth. Well, did you know that there was actually a human being that actually did become self-actualized? We, we learned about him. His name was Solomon. Do you remember Solomon? Solomon, he was the epitome. He was the poster child for the psychology of self-actualization. If anybody in this world had, the, had achieved everything that he had the potential to achieve, it was Solomon. He was smart. He was powerful. He was rich. He, 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 got, he got it all, <laughs> didn't he? And he was one of the most miserable human beings that 
ever lived. You don't believe me? Go back and read the book of Ecclesiastes. Well, it shouldn't take you too long. And you probably won't want to get too far into it before you're going, this, make, this is depressing me. And then when you realize that it was written by this guy that was all that, and he was still miserable, and the, and the heritage that, that King Solomon kind of produced for, his, for the people of God was, was devastating, wasn't it? Because centuries after centuries after that, um, his heritage, this thing, it's all me, it's all about me, and self-actualization, that heritage continued to be lived out one generation after another, even within the people of God, right? And, and, and it just led to brokenness and strife. But even in the midst of that, there was hope. Why? Why was there hope? Because God promised, right? And God keeps his promises. And so all throughout this brokenness and strife, as, as God's people were trying to figure out what they needed to do in order to be all that, um, God would send them prophets, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi and Hosea. And they were all preaching basically the same message. It was a two-pronged message. Go back and read them. You'll see for yourself. The first part of it was you need to repent, guys. You need to come back home. You need to come back to me. And the second part is, remember, in the midst of all that brokenness that you're experiencing right now, don't you give up. There is hope. Why? Because God had a plan. And God made a promise. Which leads us to Jesus. God incarnate. The plan. Remember, all throughout this, we've been saying, in the beginning, there was a plan. The plan was with God, and the plan was God, and the plan's name is Jesus, right? God. You see, here was the deal. We've already established this, right? The threads that we've experienced, that we've identified, we establish that God is holy and just and that we aren't and that God can't exist in the same space with unjust, unholy, sinful human beings. And there seemed to be this, this insurmountable chasm between this holy God and, and these uh, sinful humanity. And the only thing that could possibly bridge the gap between this holy God that we've learned about and these, these sinners, which we already knew about, because we lived it, was the perfect sacrifice. The only thing that, that could possibly fix this was a perfect, unblemished sacrifice. God himself. Jesus. That's the only thing that was going to work. And this plan, whose name was Jesus, willingly and willfully allowed himself to be hung on a cross. 
to bridge the gap between a holy God and a sinful humanity. And you know why he did that? I'll tell you why. Because though it is true that our God is holy and our God is just, listen to this next part. Our God is also love. Let me, let me put a finer point on that for you. Our God loves you. And you, and you, and you, and yes, even me. That's why God was willing to sacrifice everything merely for the hope that he might be in relationship with you. Because our God is not going to make you be in relationship with you. He yearns more than anything else for you to be in relationship with him. But he's not going to make you. You have to choose. Now some of us, that leads us, by the way, to the final thread that we really haven't uh, identified as of yet, but it's, it's an important one. And that final thread is you. Now some of us, we, we hear that and we kind of go, well, that must mean I'm a pretty big deal. Well, you are, because God loves you. But even that is all about God. It says in Ephesians chapter, or, uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says that we have been saved by grace through faith. You want to know what that really, that's a bunch of religious words, but you want to know what that really means? You have been saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves. In other words, not, you can't even take credit for the choice that you made. You have been saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. You see, when it, when it says that you've been saved by grace, that's God's free gift. You are able to exhibit faith because God gave you the gift of faith, of the ability to choose. So you can't even claim credit for that. It all goes to him. Somebody needs to say amen. Don't forget that one, okay? It all belongs to him. And you are blessed to be called part of the family. You are blessed to be um, experiencing and living out the promise. You are blessed to be a part of the plan. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, as a gift from God because of faith, you become the church. That's the final thread. The church is not a building. The church is you. And when God, this plan that God created from the beginning of time that was there in the very beginning before the earth was, when it was with God and it was God, what he, the plan was always that the church would be the vessel through which God would share the plan. with the world. It's a big responsibility. And it's a great privilege. In just a moment. Now, my guess is, if, you're, if you've been paying attention, you're going to hear that and you're going to, oh, jeez, I'm not sure I can live up to it. You can't. 
But remember, it's not about you. And in just a moment, we're going to receive communion, and I'm going to explain to you why it's not about you and why God can do it through you. If only you'll let him.